Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. As it says on the screen, we are still looking at First John. Uh, chapter 3, and uh, those are some of the headings within that, um, and I have uh, used the phrase proverb of love because everywhere I go in First John, I find the issue of love being the overwhelming uh, message outside of um, there are other messages uh, there are other teachings, but without the idea of love and without the obedience we are to have to love, these other things aren't very useful. So the Proverbs, and also the way that it's laid out, the way that it's written, it reminds me of the style of Proverbs in a lot of ways, the statements made. And some of those statements are really bring you up off your chair, make you walk around the house two or three times and, uh, and have an understanding. You know, the idea of love is, in the world we, we live in, of course, I think it's viewed in a fairly shallow way. Um, I uh, constantly am teasing my wife, Kathy, on the issue of the Hallmark Channel. If anyone's aware of some of the dribble that's, well, I won't say that. Now, there's a lot of interaction in those programs, uh, telegraphed way ahead of time. But nonetheless, um, at least in a lot of ways, people are being good to each other. But it certainly isn't the depth of love that the apostle is talking about. I think that's pretty obvious. Now, as people, in way of introduction to what I'm going to read here today, as people we need to learn, we must learn about love and we must learn about hate. We need to know what both words mean and when God says one or the other, we need to know what it is he means. I don't think it's something born uh, that we are born with knowing these things in, in a mature, uh, useful level. Um, I always hear the phrase that you never have to teach a child how to be ornery or selfish. It seems to come natural. Well, uh, that's part of the process, I think. I think we really are. This idea of love is not developed in a child, although affection comes and um, 
also the the uh, idea of children going to older people to be protected, that sort of thing. Maybe not the expression of love at that point, but it's really it's it's a really deep subject. And here's just a little peek at wisdom concerning love that I read. I'm going to share with you again from C.S. Lewis, just one sentence. And he's writing about love in general, uh, but love in a, in a way that is uh, vertical, if you will, towards God. He says, because we love something else more than this world, we love even this world better than those who know no other. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because, I mean, this is his thinking. It's an observation, I believe, that he gets from a life that he's lived and in him observing life. Remember, this man was an agnostic for many, many years. Came to the faith uh, as, an, as an adult man. Um, I believe he was in his 30s. But nonetheless... This is a great observation, uh, and I, I think it's really true. So that something else loved is is God, isn't it? That something else loved is God the Father and His Son, and and the Church. One other thing: all those that are the Church, the brethren, and John makes a very heavy push in in First John here about loving the brethren, loving the brethren. And I'm going to say that this love of the brethren is a test of fellowship that the apostles have put in our way. And we're not going to be able to go around the side. We have to deal with it in a way that is pleasing to God. So here's the idea. This something else loved is so powerful that Christians having this real love in themselves that abides in them, an educated love, because you, I think you need to be taught these things. I know I did. I had to be taught to love in, in a way that was useful. And I'm still learning things. But because of that, we can love the people of this world more than they love each other. And they really don't think anything can match that love. But I'm here to tell you, that's shallow. We can love them more than they love themselves. And I think it's true. And this is, a, this is the agape love that God has demonstrated, shown us, defined give us example of, and requires that we have. God can love those that are still a, a far way off spiritually. So should we. But the idea is brethren, and this is the body of the message here, uh, to love the brethren is, I believe, a test of fellowship. But it's not my test. It's not my test. And believe me, I've been around brothers that have a number of tests of fellowship I re- 
reject every one of them except this one. Because it seems like all of those other tests of fellowship we find in churchianity go directly against this one concerning the brethren. It's funny how that works. And until you really understand it, you know, it's an easy path to take to be against this, against that, against this person. That's an easy road. It's a disastrous road, but it's easy to get on. Smooth sailing until the end. So let's look at the third chapter, verses 13 through 15, and see what they say. I'm going to read verse 13. I read it last week. But, of course, it fits well with the the subject here. 13 through 15. And my uh, scripture reads this in the American Standard. Marvel not, brethren, if the world hateth you. We know that we have passed out of life, or out of death, into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, this phrase is it's pretty, pretty harsh. Out of death into life. Um, you see, that's the state of a, of a child of God. That's the state of a Christian. Out of death into life. Remember, that's the first chapter of this letter, isn't it? That's the first cha- first chapter. We we learn about fellowship. Yes. That's right. The 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 ones that are actually legitimate, the ones we should be concerned with. So we've been brought out of death into life, and you know, here's what the the idea. Let me add. I think the fruit of being in that state is that you will love the brethren. Okay. And that's the men and women in God's family, the, you know, the children in God's family. So you, you shouldn't struggle with this. It happens to be the state that you should find yourself in. If you don't, then you need to reexamine these scriptures and reexamine the whole concept. You know... Like I said, it's not me. I'm not setting the standard. It's God who has the right to set boundaries, even these tests of fellowship. But we need to be aware of it. We need to conform to it because, remember, it's his pattern. If we skip ahead uh, in this letter, 1 John, to chapter 4, just skip ahead down to chapter 4, verse 18, through 21, what do we read? And this is all one continuing thought, friends, but I want, to, I want to bring this in right now. There is no fear in love. Did you ever think of that? The more love you have, the less fear you'll have. The less timidity you'll have in this world. I believe it. 
But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, cannot love God, whom he hath not seen. And this commandment we, uh, and this commandment have we, from him, that he who who loveth God, loveth his bro- brother also. Now remember, the apostles heard this command before anyone else. They heard it from the Lord himself. It came from the mind of his father. It's a requirement. There's no gray area. How do you, do you see anywhere you can go with this? If you love God, you'll love your brother also. And brethren, brothers of the, in, in the family of God, of course, we're speaking of, but there are other things as far as the, the world in general. That doesn't mean you can despise anybody that's not a brother in Christ. That also is is a problem. Now, can we do it? Can we do this? Someone said here uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and a few years ago even I've heard it, that God doesn't give us things to do and commands that we're not capable of doing. Because if he did... Wouldn't that be wholly unfair? God's not unfair, isn't he? He's far beyond that. Uh, Even we can be far beyond unfair. So this isn't even a, a situation for God. We can do this. We can do this, but we won't do it unless we have a real understanding of love in the way that the scriptures are teaching. And not only that, let me add this last other little caveat. We must do this, and we must want to do this. It's got to be from here. See, that's my problem with the Hallmark Channel. It's not from here. Okay? It's, uh, well. So, um, what is hate then? What's hate mean? What's the word mean in in the language the Bible was written? Well, the first definition that I find is to detest. And you know, a lot of people say things about groups and other folks that they don't use the the word detest, but they might as well. And, you know, we don't have that, that, that ability we don't have that right to detest the brethren That's because it, all, it causes persecution, doesn't it? When it comes out of our mouth, they're being persecuted in a public way without being present normally to defend themselves. And the other one, in the, and the, this is a, an understanding here that I think we need to love less than. To love less than what less than what than we should. So, you know, if you don't be making lists, you know. Well, 
I love this person and that one a little less. That's going to get you in trouble. Try to do it in, in, a, in, a, in a whole. And it's, I think that covers all the bases. See, that's what hate means. Um, so hating your brother takes all of these things into effect here. And the other word that came up was murderer. It's a manslayer, a taker of life. Remember the harshness that Jesus had towards those that used the word, uh, I think it was raka, towards one of their Jewish brothers, which was a statement that they had no chance. They were without chance. They separated from, from the blessings of God in some way. We don't say that to people. They have no right to do such a thing. And we shouldn't even be feeling that way. So doing it for the right reason. And I think that's, that's the thing that I had to learn um, because I, I can learn things very quickly and put them all, but am I just feigning it? Do I really have a deep down? Well, that, that's what comes from some maturity, I guess. We can't expect um, maturity in someone who's brand new, a child, a new Christian. It's, these things have to grow. Now, I've known people that seems like they love everybody from the day that they open their mouth. They just have that great ability. And I've known folks that have nothing but bad things to say about people from day one, and it just continues on. And I don't even know, I don't even take it serious. Then the child of God must be a lover of the brethren. We need to make sure we know who the brethren are. That's an important thing. And the other thing is we must give respect and be at peace with all other people. Other people have a right for us to be respectful towards them and to be at peace with them and to not violate, as uh, Brother Dave has been teaching, the, the the two laws. We don't violate anyone with those laws because that leads to well for one thing it leads to great shame upon the church if we as a Christian would violate those those laws with someone who well, even wasn't even a Christian or we don't know you see that's the reason that years ago I discovered in the New Testament when it was speaking of um, uh, about People shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that that are Christians. And at the end of it, the caveat was to not bring shame upon the Lord. That's what's important. Oh, we're going to bring shame on ourselves immediately. But what follows? Especially the world. They will attach your misbehavior to the Lord's church faster than you could write it down. And that's why we don't do these things. That's why we don't bring dishonor. Uh, now, the second point, we know love by this. And this is verses 16 through 18, generally. Um, and I'll share them with you. Hereby, know we love, because he laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, and behold his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion for him, how doth the love of God abide in him? Verse 18. My little children, let us not love the world, neither with the tongue love the word. Let me rewrite that. Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed and truth. You know, there's a lot of references uh, in the scripture about this, um, not doing this, you know, with the mouth only, but put it into practice. James uh, is uh, has good teaching concerning that. This is a Christian principle. Um, I also might share, uh, before we move on, uh, Colossians, Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. Just a little a little different, but it, it says something that completes this to me. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. See, this word and deed is an important thing. It's a very important thing. Now, now we know what God has said is truth. Jesus said that in John 17. And believe me, he knows. He knows what he says. He knows what he's saying. And his testimony, to me, makes it absolutely truth. What God has said is true. We know this. What he said he has done, well... I think we see a lot of it. We experience a lot of it. History is replete with with what God said was going to happen and what he did and all the things that come out. We're studying that in in the study of Daniel. Very interesting because it deals with the world system and how God not only knows the world system, but he and he alone governs what happens. Not in, a, not in a puppeteering, but in an oversight and, in, in, uh, and uh, with his, his, his purpose for everything to occur. God's love is our rock. It's our assurance. It's what we can depend on. And you know, Christians uh, love their good deeds and their good words. They're hard to, they're hard to hide, even amongst the, the, the brethren, but they'll never be hidden from God. He knows. We don't do things, good things, or say good things just to be seen and heard of the brethren or anyone else. But never forget that God is aware of all that you do. And and I keep repeating this because do the right thing for the right reason. And 
sometimes that's that, that really is but that is the, that's the whole job you see you can do the right thing but you're still carrying a grudge or you still have some ulterior motives that's not the right thing it may have some benefit for somebody down the road but it certainly is never going to benefit you and you should be worried about that too and the last point today is the example of the Lord's apostles. I'm going to take the liberty here in these last verses to suggest that, uh, as we normally do, these these things, um, especially because of the grammar and all, we have to understand the apostles do these things and did these things first. And many of these things we wouldn't know to do unless they were doing it, they were teaching it, their example uh, is very important here. So th- this, this has to be understood. So verses 19 through uh, the, the completion of this chapter, I want to read to you and think about the, the apostles because John is speaking in a way. He's teaching, he's sharing, and he wants this to be something that we are part of. Hereby shall we know that we are out of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Because if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth us not, we have boldness towards God. And whatsoever we Ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commands. And he that keepeth his commandments abideth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us out of the spirit which he gave us. Well, I hope you can see the essence of the apostles in this uh, because we need an example. Uh, the attributes, the illustrations and the attributes of the apostles, I think, are clear here for the church to be an example. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, the first verse, he says, Be ye imitators of me, that's the apostle Paul, even as I also am of Christ. So we're not stepping out on into an area we shouldn't if we use the apostles as our uh, example. Why else would the Lord leave them here? He left them here to be his ambassador, his uh, witness, not only of everything that he said and the plan of uh, the, uh, the terms of pardon that God has set in place to be reconciling the world back to God, but but to be the great examples of who to be and how to live. 
or else why would the apostle say this? You're, this is taking, he's taking a lot on himself here, isn't he? But he's doing it for a reason. To be an imitator? The things that they do, we should be doing. The attitudes they had and circumstances, we should have. And in our study in Acts here, I, I noticed this, this is so clear that when they go here and they go there and the treatment they receive here and there, how do they deal with it? Well, believe me, friends, that's not how people normally deal with circumstances. They dealt with it in a way that we should always deal with things in that same way. God is greater than our hearts and our thoughts. God, in, in, in his word, overrules our contrary opinions and our fears. Um, if we know his word, a thought we might have or an opinion or even a fear will be taken care of if we simply acquiesce to what God has taught us and wants us to do. So he's greater than. If we keep that in mind, <laughs> uh, we won't uh, usurp the things that he has uh, caused to be. Now, this causing a boldness towards God, um, the apostles had, of course, a boldness, but it was their relationship with the Son of God, their relationship with the Father, uh, and their respect and love that they had, the, the mission they had. You know, when Jesus told them, you will be my witnesses here and in all the world, in Galilee and Jerusalem and all the world, they understood the meaning of that word. That means you will speak in my behalf to the point of death. They understood this, this work that they had been given, this witnessing that they would be doing, could cost them their life. And they had already seen what happened to Jesus of Nazareth, cost him his life. Of course, God had raised him from the dead. Did they expect to lose their lives? Well, they knew it. But they went ahead, and that's why, and, and never denied the Lord or his work, and that's why we can take the apostles as and be an imitator of them as they teach. Now here, here is one, and, um, the idea of where it says, whatever we ask, we receive of him. That, that receiving of whatever we ask is very, very qualified, isn't it? How did he qualify it? With the word because, in verse 22, because we keep his commandments, and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. If you live there, then you, you, have, you have an understanding here. And you know what? I think if you really are keeping his commandments, which in, involves love, of course, as the primary thing, then whatever you ask is going to be something that's really in line with something that's, that's necessary, all right? You're not going to be off uh, on a shopping list, as we say. 
That's got nothing to do with this. Needs, um, comfort, this sort of thing. The apostles kept his commandments. They did those things pleasing in his sight, and so should we. You see, it's in the language there. Everything here is that way. First person plural. But these things are given to us to understand. Because, you see, if we find ourselves in this condition, then we have these, these great gifts and the, and the hope. But we have to remember that the apostles did this first. They received these things first. And they had greater need, uh, typically, than, than we do uh, in many ways. But let's look at verse 23 again. I want to reread it. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, even as he gave us commandment. Now, of course, that's the apostles there. That was given to them to teach. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, uh, go into all the world and uh, teach them uh, or, uh, and, and baptize those into my name, baptizing the believers into Christ and teaching them all things that I have commanded you. See, there's two parts of that. There's conversion, there's the obedience to the gospel, and then there's the teaching that follows. They're right there. You can't exclude one. Some exclude the first one. Some exclude the second one. But without both of them, you have no true life in Christ. And I know that the Lord's apostles dealt with their their work exactly as it should have been done in their time. And the last thing is, it's out of the spirit which he gave us. You see, the apostles had a special uh, special power, obviously, um, a special blessing, if you will. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, they were given power from on high. In 1 Corinthians chapter I think it's the last verse the Apostle Paul says that they, the Apostles were given the mind of Christ so they, so they could do what? They could say the right things. There again, not that they couldn't have said a wrong thing, uh, but they had Christ guiding them. And he told the Apostles, whenever you're standing in front of the judge, the governor, or the king, don't worry about what to say. I will give it to you. Now, that's not the instruction that I have for me or you have for you. The apostle tells us that we need to know. We need to defend our faith. We need to tell other people what we know of our faith and share it with them. Don't expect something to come trickling down to allow you to speak in a, in a way that's useful. That's your, your responsibility, according to the apostles. I'm going to close with that. Um, hopefully this has been helpful in, 
in the idea of love. And next Sunday, it being the uh, Resurrection Sunday, as I like to call it, uh, and I know it's called Easter everywhere and all that, but you never know. It's a great opportunity uh, to speak about the resurrection. It's a great opportunity to uh, uh, really revel in the, the beauty of the idea of resurrection because that makes us part of our faith. Um, it builds our faith. It's, it's one of those assurances. And uh, even though we were not there, uh, we take the resurrection of Christ uh, in faith as it happened from them that we can trust. Um, that's all part of this. <laughs> it's all part of the, the scriptural thought, part of being a Christian. And that's, that's where we need to have the total understanding. And whatever doubt we may have is only a doubt because we're not yet well-informed enough to have a, a, real, a real faith that, that will not allow us to have these things. So the resurrection is a great place to be. And believe me, I've learned a lot about resurrection in the last 10 or 15 years that I've been alive. See, I thought I knew it all before. But then a sudden, just like all the times it happens, I find out I didn't. There's, there's room, room to grow. You know, they say there's room at the cross for you. Well, there's room to learn too. Always, no matter how old we get. Dave and I learn things all the time. We go Tuesday night and hear something that, you know, or Tuesday during the day. All right. Let's have our our song of invitation then and have our closing prayer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.